Hey, and welcome to this new episode of Ice Breaking, the podcast in which we explore the field of ice and learn about education together. Today's guest comes prepared to talk about many topics, all of which he has experience with. There is no doubt that this man can talk for multiple podcast episodes, and I will try my best to limit him to 30 minutes. But I don't rule out the possibility that he might be returning one day. There is people that like to talk and people that love to talk, and our guest is definitely one of them. But everything that he says absolutely has substance to it. He has previously worked with educational reforms for his home country's government. He is now an international student in ICE at SU, but he used to work with student exchange programs and also professional exchanges. Today, we will be addressing curriculum reforms and the influence of the government and educational institutions on these reforms. I am very excited for this episode and we will just see where this brings us. So let's start. Welcome, Taras. Thank you. Pleased to be a guest of this program. I'm very happy to have you here. So let's start with some quick fire questions again. Um, first of all, where are you originally from? Yeah. Yeah. If you could be someone else for one day, who would that be? That would be some artists like uh, Pablo Picasso or Salvador Dali. Uh, yeah. I like the, the way of of their lifestyle, the, the freedom they had and the times they lived in. That's interesting. Would you be an, like a painter specifically or also, I don't know, a composer, an author? I loved painting when I was a kid. Uh, always wanted to do that. But um, at some point I stopped drawing and painting. Um, maybe, you know, if I would to choose the the fate <laughs> of mine, I would be I would be choosing. I would go back in time and try to make myself a, an artist or, okay. or so. <laughs> um, and which book are you currently reading? Uh, uh, just a sec. I've been reading uh, recently a couple books. Uh, the last the last one I'm rereading the Max Weber's uh, book that is the most famous one. It's called um, uh, The Protestant Ethics and the Spirit of Capitalism. I'm not sure whether the translation is correct in, into English. I'm reading it in, in Ukrainian. Okay. Um, and another one was um, Churchill and um, Orwell and Churchill. Um, that's the book, the biographical book, the comparison between two journalists mm -hmm. and the two significant men in history and their role in history, actually. It's really interesting reading. But the, I, I went through the half of the first one, just started reading the, the, the second one. Okay. That's what happens to me. I sometimes start to think at, at once. Yeah. Would you say, like, what is your book genre? Because these are quite specific topics i've never realized i liked uh the fiction or non-fiction stories like this my mom is a teacher and the, the teacher of ukrainian literature mm -hmm. so i i had a pretty big library at home um i never liked reading when i was a kid but um i, I really enjoyed reading a non-scientific 
non-fictional but scientific um, stuff. Uh, when I was a student uh, during my bachelor's, I really enjoyed reading like some social sciences theories and stuff. Still mm -hmm. do. Um, but I've never realized that I like reading non-fictional stuff. Like I've, uh, uh, like I think a year ago, I started reading Orwell's really like the, the best known uh, pieces that he had. And mm -hmm. then I started reading other, other stories that he wrote that, um, that actually are not that famous, but they are quite interesting uh, to me at least. So lots of things that, um, that are about history, about the, the characters that lived through historic and significant times in history how they deal with with this the, with the challenges that they face i like something like that and either it is fictional or non-fictional I, I would still enjoy it yeah okay interesting to hear um what inspires you well i would say i'd say that <laughs> well might be um, very unoriginal uh, answer, but uh, the, the education is the, the thing that inspires me a lot. And I, I think that during this program, I've, uh, I've explored the new definition of education. It's not just about learning information or just uh, consuming information into, into yourself or just reading books. It's understanding of things that you do never understood never wanted to understand but now you found the courage to realize that there is another side that you do not quite know and understand and you are ready to to depart into this adventure and this is um this is something yeah, this is the new definition for me. So like departing into the adventure that you would never take before. And now you're on this kind of uh, on this kind of trip that opened your eyes more and more. And this is not this is very metaphorical uh, definition, but this is how I perceive it, I think. Yeah. OK, no, I don't think that's that's non original answer I think that's a super original answer actually it's beautiful and what was your favorite subject in school um that's th this is something that I've been thinking before because I've been listening to, to post podcasts uh, the previous ones <laughs> that I really enjoyed listening to but I don't think I I had several uh several subjects that i really enjoyed but i was uh enjoying all of them like i really liked economics really liked mm -hmm. mathematics uh i was good at uh, ukrainian literature and ukrainian language um i didn't i'm not sure i really I like my favorite favorite was history all the time as as far as i remember myself um since youngest uh, years, uh, history was something that I was really um, interested in. Yeah. 
so yeah, but um, I would say that my interests are very diversified. Like I'm all over the the subjects, mm -hmm. uh, but this is the the problem sometimes because I cannot concentrate on one thing, and I cannot just really difficult to choose one thing that I should pursue in my life in the further uh, studies or further career or something like that. And that happens not just with the school subjects, like with the career as well. Yeah, yeah. You never know what's next. Yeah, it's it's like I always wanted to be all over. Yeah. And it's not just a really narrow field of study or field of career or professional kind of uh, uh, occupation, but it's, it's everything, a little piece by piece, part by part. Maybe you've answered this already with the question, what inspires you? But what does education mean to you? Education means, well, it meant to me at some point that uh, this is the thing that opens the doors in front of you. But uh, I think today it's something that opens the eyes uh, for you, not the doors. Because, yeah, that's more important to open the eyes. And um, I think that we cannot have uh, wide eyes open ever. We mm -hmm. have it, all, we don't see everything. Um, we cannot see everything and we won't be able to in any point of our lives. But uh, what we can do, we can look around and see as much as we can capture at uh, the moment of our short lives. Um, yeah, that's, and the education is a powerful tool in this matter. Yeah. And how did you, like this perspective on education, were you ever able to take that with you while you were working for the Ukrainian government or with the Ukrainian government in the school reforms? Um, when I was, uh, well, I see the thing is that I've started um, working really early and it all started um, when I was, I think, freshman at the university and um, I was studying at the university at the same time trying to to learn something else at work already and uh, I always knew that to pursue a good career in the future you have to you have to pay attention to any detail uh, that kind of, that are happening around you um, so I've been trying to learn a lot from my colleagues at work and I was I remember being the, the youngest in, in my organization, I was like 18 or 19 years old when I started and the, all others were like 25 plus, I would say. Um, and, and it was really interesting to observe what people are doing, how they do it and learn and kind of grasp something to, to yourself. Then um, working in, the, in with the government or assisting the government or helping them um, to, to to kind of to develop uh, the policies or to implement reforms it's it, i think it's really loud definition to say that we've been helping them to implement reforms but we've been helping with the lots of elements that 
construct the reform because this is really, really complicated process and people that lead the reform process, they understand that it's not one person job. Mm -hmm. It's not even 10 person job. <laughs> it's the, you, you have to have the whole kind of army of people <laughs> to pursue the reform and one division would, or one unit would work on the legislation development. One would work on the, uh, preparing uh, professionals that would ensure that the future reform would have uh, good grounds. Mm -hmm. um, or, or others would develop the new curriculum or the methodologies or stuff. So it's, it's always about working with people it's always about being uh, being in a team, and it's always about the partnership building because like, there are lots of different divisions, and all to 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 make the the thing that you work on really successful, truly successful. What I've learned, it takes uh, a lot of effort to build really effective communication between all the parts, yeah, and uh, for a long. Uh, long period of time. If we are speaking about education, we have to understand that to do the education reform, especially either it is higher education or especially secondary education, you have to understand that uh, you'll see the results in a really far future, like in five, 10 years, 20 years. You will not see the results right away. Yeah. And what was your role in this teamwork? Well, along my career path, um, early career path, I'd say, I've been working, I've been honored to work in one of the projects that um, introduced to Ukraine um, the standardized testing. It might seem, I've been like, on this program at ICE, I've been reading a lot about lots about criticizing standardized testing or like external testing. But what I know in my own experience that standardized testing, which is which was introduced in the same year that I was applying to university back in two thousand eight, that was long ago. Um, that was I was applying for my bachelor studies. Mm. It granted me uh, merit-based access to education, uh, corruption-free. Corruption was a huge issue uh, in the university admission mm -hmm. before that year. Uh, but starting from two thousand and eight, um, Ukraine has, I would say, eliminated. Mo like most like 99% of corruption during the admission was eliminated that granted access to young talented kids to get into the universities that they deserve that they've been working for through the whole kind of secondary school education they've been trying like studying hard and, 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 and so on so they can get into good school and for higher education and build up the career that uh, that they deserve or mm. that they that they can uh, pursue in the future so i think that 
so I was honored to become part of this project when I was, I think, during my fourth year of studies. So I first I entered the university because of the project that brought this standardized uh, external testing. Mm -hmm. But then it's not the, the easy process of uh, introducing the standardized testing. It takes lots of years because first you introduce it, then you have to reform the whole process because sometimes there are some drawbacks, some um, in inconsistencies within the system that you have to work on. There are some, always some studies that you have to do. And I've been, I joined the project as an assistant, as an outreach assistant. And I've learned a lot from people that I've been working with about the PR, public relations, uh, about uh, how to manage projects, how to draft projects and implement them, how to draft proposals, how to get funding, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of stuff. But what, what's most important, I've uh, met a lot of people uh, who, were, who are attached and are still are in, in the education field. What actually you know, motivated me to develop myself in this, in this direction and within this path. So I've, I've been trying to um, really wanted to develop uh, my career within, within kind of educational development Mm -hmm. and educational reforms. And then after this, I've, uh, I've been invited to manage a small, tiny project uh, that was supposed to introduce academic integrity uh, as uh, academic integrity values into, into Ukrainian uh, education system. Mostly, uh, we were speaking about higher education, university level. Yeah because there was lots of issues with the plagiarism and corruption after students get into the university. So that was uh, the project that, uh, that I, I, was, I was managing, I was leading along with the, the uh, wonderful team of uh, young professionals as well. Uh, but then uh, it, it taken me like five years since uh, we could see any results. And mm. now I can, with an honor, I can, I, I can say uh, being really proud that what, what was done before and what we achieved. Because now lots of universities, they have their own policies on plagiarism and corruption. They developed lots of ethical principles, ethical codes on uh, academic integrity about the issues concerning plagiarism or corruption mm -hmm. um like I, i'd say that software on pla like pla anti-plagiarism software are of a high demand now um even the accreditation agencies now demand the university to have uh policies on academic integrity developed in order to get accredited uh to get their education programs accredited and we trained lots of teachers. We've been doing lots of events. We've been traveling all over the country. I, I think I've been to every regional center of Ukraine many times. And I've, I've been, I think I've been counting once. I visited around 60 or 70 universities in these five years. Um, and yeah, that was like truly life-changing experience. 
And after that, I've uh, decided that I should not stop uh, studying because uh, there are lots of things to do. So I've pursued my, my first master's degree and then I've decided that I, I really want to go and see what's behind the border yeah. of Ukraine and, uh, and see how, how the higher education system works in, uh, in Sweden. But I, yeah, I was looking for uh, opportunities uh, either in Sweden or in, in Europe. Yeah. And if you, because corruption and, and plagiarism, it, those are things that like they happen behind closed doors. Usually it's not something that a country or an education system is, is proud of or an educational institution. Um, but do you, can you say something maybe about what you see from or well, your experienced point of view? Um, like, what is the difference between Ukrainian universities and the Swedish universities now? All right. So um, it is really popular in within Ukrainian kind of social discourse, social narrative, I'd say to compare Ukrainian quality of higher education with, uh, with European and complain that Ukrainian education is not that good or so. Mm -hmm. It's not completely true because uh, you cannot compare education to education, education system to education system, you, yeah. what you, in terms of quality. Yeah. But you can, you can compare not, not even university to university, but education program to education program. This is something to learn for everyone who thinks that, who asks whether, oh, is, is Swedish education better than Ukrainian? It you all depends. Know. No, yeah. It all depends. And it all depends on the situation. I know that there are lots of universities in Ukraine that should do way better, that have lots of issues, uh, that still have issues with corruption, um, but uh, what I can compare between Ukraine and between my master's program in Ukraine that I was doing, that was in public policy and governance, and at, that was Kiev School of Economics, uh, that my alma mater, the second one, and with the third, third alma mater that I have, Stockholm University, I can tell that the approaches, the philosophy of education is quite different mm -hmm. um, because when the, the first program that I've been taking was like very professionally oriented uh, we've been learning uh, most of the things most of the literature we've been reading were um, aligned with the neoliberal um, approach uh, mostly um, maybe ignoring uh, consciously or not, um, but the literature that is uh, more diversified, that has, that shares other um, theoretical or philosophical approaches. Um, and plus to that, um, my previous master's, which was um, of a high quality, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I think that that provide me provided me really good basis for my further education path and, uh, and career. Uh, they taught me a lot of practical things, how to analyze policies, how to analyze, how to pursue the 
the analysis of uh, uh, like drafted policies, how to uh, how to to raise the awareness on the emerging issues that are happening in the society, how to set the the, the social the public agenda, how to move it to the next stage where you are looking for stakeholders and partners to work on the policy options, how you make how you make it possible to implement the ideas or the policy options into reality, how you make them actually implemented, and then how you monitor it, how you um, evaluate the policy, whether it worked or not. And then you move to the next cycle, uh, working on the drawbacks that you've uh, evidenced through your evaluation and monitoring. And uh, that was that was that's priceless knowledge and priceless skills that um, the Kiev School of Economics provided me. But here at Stockholm University, uh, it's just another type of education that I admire a lot. Uh, that help to understand the the another side, not just um, be critical about what is um, what is black and what is white, but uh, see more of uh, different shades of gray, and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe even try to look at the world in a more colorful way. Um, so it's, it, it helps to, uh, to, to get over the materials that are provided to you by teachers, start searching for another point of view, being, be critical, not just within one philosophical approach, but be critical within the whole kind of philosophy or yeah. the, the whole kind of... Uh, all epistemological and ontological um, um, stances. So this is that's that's what is valuable as, as well. Here we learn a lot about practical practical things, and what I admire the most about the research: how to do it in the in the way that will be highly respected and recognized worldwide, mm -hmm. um, and the standards. And requirements that we we are to fulfill here uh, will I'm pretty sure that will lead us to some uh, great career developments in the future, either in sciences or in practical uh, career path while yeah. implementing reforms or doing any education policies or anything else. Yeah, yeah. And um, if we go back to plagiarism, I just remember that at every beginning of the course that we have here in, in our program of ICE, we are presented the slide with plagiarism rules and saying, you cannot do this, you cannot copy, well, anything. So I feel like plagiarism at Stockholm University is absolutely impossible, also because of the check that they do afterwards and such. Is that true, you think? Or would it, like, is it a waterproof system that we have here there is always a way to cheat if um what i've learned from my previous professional experience that uh, i've been working with a lot of uh, not lots of but some plagiarism uh companies mm -hmm. that 
develop algorithm of analysis mm -hmm. of the text and they know <laughs> they know how students cheat <laughs> they they say that um there is a like that they have to have a pretty strong r d research and development unit mm -hmm. in order to follow the developments in cheating industry yeah uh, because like every year there is some new ways or some new innovations uh, of how to cheat within this uh, within the studies mm -hmm. and students are the, the the drivers of this process right the, and the laziness of students yeah well i think that uh, this is one thing to think and to take the picture of it another thing is another way of looking at things is thinking from the very beginning why do you need education why do you start why do you apply for the university whether you just need a diploma or you want yourself to be advanced in some way True. are you uh are you what like ask yourself and start with a philosophical question before like even going to to cheating and uh and thinking even about it just ask why you're at the university why why would you do uh, put that much of efforts uh, into into two or four years or six years of education if in the end you will have nothing or you will have like only 50% of the knowledge that were offered to you mm -hmm. you're so, only cheating yourself actually yeah so it all depends not so i think that students should be they should be controlled Mm -hmm. Yes, but they should be also aware and motivated in, intrinsically on uh, on why they are studying and why they are, they are within the education system, why they they do what they do. Yeah, um, there are there are lots of other great path in life besides academia mm -hmm. or besides like you can if you don't like higher education if you don't like studying. I mean. Yeah, uh, you can do some other stuff. You can go open up your own business. Like start with the with the small things and then develop, and and up to up to the great uh, success stories that exist in the world with people who do not never had higher education but still been able to develop uh, their great companies, great empires, and so on. So yeah, of course. Yeah, just um, but still. Even though, like, even those people, in the end, they become the um, the great contributors to education because they, in the end, they get it. They understand that education is something that is very valuable, mm -hmm. and uh, in the end, they would even achieving what they achieved without uh, a university degree. They would come back uh, to pursue it and to finally get it. Or they would fund some universities, some schools, some foundations, scholarships, funds, and, and so on to provide education opportunities for others. Why? Because they they just got it. Well, in the end, but still still did. Yeah. Yeah. So suppose you find that like internal motivation in students. Um, would a plagiarism check 
become like unnecessary? Well, it's it's always it's always good to um, trust, but also check. Um, I really admire how uh, how Swedish society values trust as the I think the most important thing that brings together Swedish society. That that's the social glue mm -hmm. um, of it. Um, but still, it's you still have to kind of uh, have some um, some tools, or I don't know, some kind of um, you still have to um, to make some um, some points where you can when where you can check whether the things that you think uh, the way they they work, whether they really work this way, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, um, you still have to have the ch oh, checks and balances kind of uh, 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 tools that you can check whether the trust is uh, really being um, realized and whether this trust is is the way that uh, everybody thinks it is. Yeah. Um, so plagiarism checkers, uh, or uh, plagiarism software, it's still, it's a good option to consider mm -hmm. in any condition, whether it's the society that has the, the high level of trust or whether it's the, the society that kind of develops towards this level and at some point will get it and understand understand the value of trust to each other. Yeah. Still, it's, it's always a good thing to have this plagiarism checkers because at some point, if if we do not have it, uh, at some point we might have uh, end up having lots of scientists or academics that been taking advantage of someone's tr trustworthiness or someone's trust at all, mm -hmm. um, and uh, might have plagiarized something, and then in the end, like ten years after, you'll you'll find out that. Uh, the dissertations or the researchers or the any studies been conducted with with uh, plagiarism or uh, or or you know academic integrity is not only about plagiarism it's no. also about the falsification of uh, results yeah yeah or or like uh, academic fraud and misconduct and 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 all that that kind of things that mm -hmm. uh, put under threat the whole concept of academia and science. Yeah. Um, um, if you would look in the future and, and we would kind of strive for this trust together and this academic integrity, what are things that we should change at this point? Like anywhere in the world, what should be the, the basis or the change that we need to achieve that? All right. Um, I think that uh, anywhere in the world, this is the first thing that I, I, I mentioned already. That's the, the intrinsic motivation. The second one is extrins extrinsic or the external control mm -hmm. um, also needed. Um, but also it's the opportunities for students after they graduate university um, 
opportunities that would provide them with the understanding that whatever they do in their life and their research and their and their studies mm-hmm. um, that would lead them to apply those skills and knowledges that they're getting so it is not only important to have um, developed academia or education but also good to have a developed economy where you can apply everything that you learn in at, at the university mm-hmm. that would that's the, the greatest factor of motivation and this is something that uh, that would drive society towards the the development not only economic development but the more kind of uh, the development of values that uh, that that lead us to to the like, coherent uh, existence yeah. with each other yeah, um, yeah I think that um, and of course, like if, if we want to be more instrumental in this answer, it's like to develop good national policies, to develop good institutional policies, uh, to promote um, kind of professional development within teachers and, and professors at the university so they know how to deal with the issues connected with academic integrity and plagiarism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, raise the awareness among students because in most of the cases, students do not really understand what plagiarism is. And that's yeah. the case, mostly in Ukraine. They sometimes are not just taught or uh, they do not have those first slide, as you said, yeah. during the classes yeah. that uh, where, where a teacher is ex- explaining what is plagiarism and why it is not tolerated at the university and why it is the problem. Yeah. So this is, it's really, really um, important to have that that one slide and that one slide might change a lot yeah that's that's certainly true and i think that it's also important too because when we're talking about plagiarism and corruption there's often a lot of people involved that do not necessarily mean bad or mean to cheat or mean to uh, get involved in all of this but it's mostly people who want to strive for something or who want to get into education or do well in education and that don't know what they how it should be done and how like what the rules are and what what it's ethical and stuff so i think that that's a big um, part of what we can still develop within education so to say um you gave a very nice and like philosophical answer and also the the more instrumental answer to my last question it's already time to uh, finish this podcast. So is there anything that you would like to say or that you would like to round up with as a giveaway message or takeaway message for the for the listeners? Sure. Uh, well, within this session, we've been speaking, I've been speaking a lot about the quality of education or the student's motivation or the importance of education. Um, I would also pretty much uh, recommend to find the way in your life to integrate education as uh, as the part of your whole life, not just the part where you're at the university. Remember that this is the thing that will always um, 
make you provide you the opportunity to look at things differently that would um, open your eyes on many things and make you see things that other people might not see and uh, remember to maintain the connection with education as you need it as the air or water or food uh, because on the within your life path you will constantly need to get back to the education or even better to say keep it always with you so do not forget to uh, take sometimes take some extra classes after work i know uh, that lots of people will have uh, families kids uh, when they you know get older but still um, remember to uh, read books um, attend classes but the most important uh, engage with the community of people who think the same way that you do. But what's most important, do not forget to talk and to communicate to those that have different points of view, because that opens your eyes as well. And that's the, the recommendation from me. Wow, that was beautiful. And I'm, you just made me very happy that I'm in this field. It's, it's amazing. Thank you so much for... Um, being here as a guest and um, thank you on the other side of the screen for listening and uh, I hope you will listen again next time. Thank you Frederica, that was my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs>